Hello, hello, everybody. The chat abides. Chad Inman here, so glad to be joining you for day 47 of the Genesis Audio Devotional. Before we get into today's reading, let's take a couple minutes to recap. We are currently right in the middle of the story of our protagonist, Joseph. Joseph, like so many of us, was born into a dysfunctional family. His father, Jacob, had sister wives, Leah and Rachel, who took sibling rivalry, rivalry rather, to a whole new level. Jacob clearly favored Rachel over her sister Leah, and that favoritism applied to his children. As Rachel's oldest son, Joseph was Jacob's favorite child. This favoritism, not surprisingly, created resentment in the hearts of Joseph's half-brothers, and that resentment festered and grew, as it often does. As a result, his brothers sell him into slavery. With God's support, Joseph is able to thrive. Everything he touches seems to turn to gold. He finds himself winning favor with his master, only to be railroaded by the lust of his master's wife. In prison, the Lord again blesses him, and he gains respect, trust, and favor with the warden. When we left off yesterday, Joseph was in the middle of interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and baker. Yesterday, the cupbearer just received some good news from Joseph. So with that, let's get back into the story. Today we'll be looking at Genesis 40, beginning with verse 16 and ending with verse 23, the end of the chapter. I will be reading from the New Living Translation. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaired the chief baker, impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Okay, wow. The chief cupbearer forgot all about the guy who accurately interpreted his prophetic dream, never giving him another thought. Now, I have a confession to make. I've been diagnosed with ADD, attention deficit disorder, and I've forgotten my fair share of things. I've forgotten to take out the trash, to close the garage door, to lock the front door. I've forgotten to get to stop and get milk at the store. But even I can't, for the love of all that is good and holy, imagine how this guy forgot about Joseph. With that craziness aside, there's still a whole lot going on here. Who are these two guys anyways? Chief Cupbearer and Baker aren't titles we see posted for hire on Indeed these days. I mean, did these two men really just carry cups of wine around and bake bread all day? Well, it turns out the chief cupbearer uh, not only handled 
the cup for, for the Pharaoh as far as making sure that he was safe, but he was actually overseer of the royal vineyards as well as the cellars. He probably had over a hundred people under his authority. Likewise, the chief baker or cook was actually responsible for everything relating to the providing and preparing of meats for the royal table. So both of these officers um, were probably people of great rank and importance. Um, really, in other words, they uh, were probably personally related uh, to Pharaoh, possibly even like younger brothers. These two men had prestigious and important jobs. We don't know what they did to displease Pharaoh, and we don't know why he came to such different conclusions about their fates. Maybe new evidence came to light, exonerating the cupbearer, or maybe the baker's offense was much more egregious. The story doesn't give us any info or make any claims regarding the outcomes. The point is this, there is no formula for avoiding consequences in life. Did you notice in today's reading the verbiage at the beginning? It seems that the baker was waiting to see what Joseph would say. When he learns that the cupbearer is getting a break, he is now hoping to cash in on the luck. But that's just not how life works. And then there's Joseph. How discouraging, how crushing. I mean, can you imagine what it would have been like for him as the days, weeks, and months passed? No message from Pharaoh or his cupbearer. Surely he must have felt defeated. Here is the guy who wins the prize for most unfortunate. It's like he's been crapped on by the cosmos. This was supposed to be his long-awaited and well-deserved break, his turning point, and it just didn't happen. If ever there was a time to give up hope, it's not. Or that's one perspective, anyways. But there is another. Remember our quick review at the beginning? Remember all the ways God was at work in Joseph's story? When we take a step back away from this current situation and look at Joseph's story at large, we see a different picture. I love what Laura B. said during the teaching time at Gathering a couple Sundays ago. This world is chaotic. It is broken. But amongst the chaos, God is hovering. He is working. Not because the chaos is his will. It is a reality of our fallen world. God is bigger than that reality, though, and he refuses to let us go. We don't hear anything about Joseph's response to his misfortune. I do believe he found this situation discouraging. I mean, how could he not? But I have a theory, and it's this. Joseph recognized and remembered the ways God was working amongst the chaos in his life. I love the way he responded yesterday when he learned of the baker and the cupbearer's dreams. Do you remember what he said? Interpreting dreams is God's business. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Joseph knew that God was with him. He knew God is faithful. I am confident he didn't forget that, even after realizing he was still stuck in that prison. So what about us? 
What about you? What prison do you feel trapped in? Is it fear? I think that's a popular thing these days. I mean, let's begin with this very real and very scary virus and all the ramifications that come with it. it could, it's impacting our economy, for some of us, our jobs. Some of us, we don't know what we're going to do with our kids. Certainly that fear is real. For others, uh, we might be dealing with a controlling habitual struggle. We could have work strife before the craziness even began or financial struggles that are now only compounded. Or maybe it's relationship turmoil. In all of that, do you realize today that you have forgotten? Forgotten the ways God was faithful in the past. I'm reminded of a line from Casting's Crown song, Casting Crown's song, I should say. It's called Just Be Held, and it goes like this. If your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you'll know I always have, and I always will. It goes on in the chorus to say, stop holding on and just be held. So today, Will you join me in making a conscious effort to remember God's faithfulness and place your care and your will over to him? As we close, I'd like to share a prayer. Um, I didn't come up with it. Um, it was actually composed by St. Ignatius of Loyola in the 16th century. Please join me. O Christ Jesus, when all is darkness and we feel our weaknesses and helplessness, give us a sense of your presence, your love, and your strength. Help us to have perfect trust in your protecting love and strengthening power so that nothing may frighten or worry us. For living close to you, we shall see your hand, your purpose, and your will through all things. Amen and amen. All right, everybody, have a great day.